Coming up this week on Breaking Badness. Today we discuss the voice of treason. FBI warns of Google Voice authentication scam. Next up, flip the script on credential stuffing. The New York Attorney General's month-long investigation. And of course, our fun game, Two Truths and a Lie. With that, Breaking Badness is next. Welcome to Breaking Badness, episode number 107, recorded on January 10th, 2022. I'm your co-host, Kelsey, New Year, who dis, LaBelle. With me, co-host Tim, Vendu, voilà, les frics, Helming. And last, but not least, Taylor, 2022, turntables and a microphone, Wilkes Pierce. Welcome, crew. Hey. That ratio of turntables to microphone is pretty high. <laughs> hey, we got a lot of samples to drop in. DJ Titan! <laughs> oh, man. It's been a full year since we've done this, guys. How's it going? I mean, since we've had a first episode of the year? Yeah. Yeah, it's been that's, at least... That's funny how that yeah. works. Yeah, it's crazy. kind of weird. Yeah. <laughs> it's good so, to be back. It does. Um, did anybody um, turn 2021 off and on again? Like, everything's going to be fine now, right? Well, is it right? the year we have to reboot, or is it just the, the timeline? Like, reboot the whole, the whole simulation. <laughs> Perhaps <Is that> humanity. <laughs> odd years yeah. versus even years? Is there something to... Nope. nope all yeah, the three. recent track record is not good for <laughs> no. even years. Or for either. Years. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for either. <laughs> is this going to be kind of... Can we do like a Lion King one and a half? Can we do like a 2020 two and a half? <laughs> like, can we skip? The, the John Malkovich floor <laughs> yes. of years. Yes. Yeah. I think that's what we need. It's the only solution at this point. Yeah. <laughs> I think the history books will be skipping these few years, like the 13th floor in an elevator. Ah! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Watch out, number simulation, 13. We really need to figure out the Kobayashi Maru of this simulation. Hmm. Yeah, will somebody get on that, listener? Add us with uh, how we can get out of this crazy evil timeline but you know we can just we can naively optimistically pretend like we're pretty sure that 22 is going to be an awesome year you know i tried that last year (laughs) well didn't it make the first couple weeks seem a lot better i mean at least by yourself that much (laughs) i can't even remember first few weeks of 2021 kelsey it's probably a different person we all learned who Amanda Gorman was. That was a good that part was of the a year. Great uh, beginning. That's true. That's true. Gosh, she's so talented. Mm-hmm. Oh boy. Well, I guess should we talk about security stuff? This is always where we we um, I feel like pontificate over what other podcasts we can do, other than InfoSec. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. This week on exciting new poets from Domain Tools. <laughs> yeah, I think most people would like to hear that. Um, (laughs) anywho, let's talk about the voice of treason. So the FBI has surfaced some techniques used by fraudsters taking advantage of users 
who post their phone numbers online and they do Fraudsters this. Fraudsters taking, taking advantage of users? Never. Yeah, never. This must be a 2022 things, guys. I mean, is, this is not new for sure. Um, and they do this through Google Voice authentication scams. And can I just say Fraudsters sounds a little bit like a funneled file sharing service? Well, oh, Napsters. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anywho, Tim, I seem to remember one of our friends and Domain Tools alum played a cruel, played a cruel trick on you with the help of uh, Google Voice. Do you, I try not do you remember that? <laughs> Can you share that with our listeners? Maybe, maybe it was just entertaining for me. Maybe I'm just a sick human. I hope it actually is funny. <laughs> Yes, yes, I remember our uh, our former colleague who is. We could do an entire episode of Breaking Badness just on the pranks that this particular individual uh, perpetrated in our office. But my phone number had been spoofed. It's shockingly, and in my opinion, criminally easy uh, to spoof somebody's phone number. Um, and by the way, I say criminally easy not because it's like fraudsters shouldn't do it, but like the phone companies and uh, internet companies should be regulated in such a way that it is not legal to do this, but apparently it's perfectly legal to spoof somebody's phone number. And anyway, my phone number was being used for some sort of scam calls and people were calling me back, understandably annoyed at being scammed and saying, stop calling me. And uh, so... <laughs> That, that was really obnoxious, and I felt bad for them, and I felt bad for me. It was a bad deal for everybody except the scammer, I guess. But anyway, this colleague uh, figured out how to do the same thing, and he, uh, he was sort of um, making references to things that I had actually talked about, which was very, very spooky to see that coming through over the text. So uh, he had me a little... Freaked out. That's, I guess, sort of with a PH. Freaked out for all you 2600 fans. <laughs> and, uh, but soon it was all was revealed. And uh, then we had a good chuckle about it. Much like the kid whose father told him Disneyland had burned down, who secretly thought it was pretty funny. <laughs> That's a reference to Jack Handy's deep thoughts. So we're going into the deep cuts here. <laughs> oh, so Tim has been personally impacted, I'll say by this story, which is probably why you, you chose this. It's probably a, um, a call for help out to um, our friend Redacted, um, as he's known in our Pranksgiving blog post uh, with all of his pranks back in the day. He did not want to be named. They, excuse me, they did not want to be named. Um, that that <laughs> might have just been a code pronoun, so don't, don't assume too much about that. <laughs> That what apparently was a slip up on Kelsey's part. It's not a slip up. She's playing five dimensional chess. She's always two moves ahead. That's right. That's right. Um, yeah, we'll go with that. Um, <laughs> but I, I guess I should pause and say for for our listeners who aren't familiar, what is this Google Voice? Yeah. So, well, like many services from our friends at Google, Voice is a pretty handy application and it allows you to use a phone number for a variety of things, including you can tie in uh, voice over IP telephony systems. Um, you can use it as an alias that will forward calls. 
from your Google Voice phone number to your own mobile or desk phone number. So like, let's say you want one of those super sexy area code 212 phone numbers to make it sound like you're in Manhattan, NYC. Uh, even though you actually live in Paducah, Kentucky, uh, Google Voice can help you out with that. And, um, and it can be used for text, not just voice stuff. So it's a, a way of um, kind of expanding how phone numbers can be used. Well, interesting. And why is this tool so very useful for scammer for scammers and other cyber criminals? Yeah, well, so first of all, I will give the sort of caveat that um, what you're about to hear is not a very technical kind of scam. Sometimes we go into a lot of deep technical um, arcana that's useful for folks whose jobs are things like reversing malware and, and protecting against it and stuff. But I thought this one was interesting because it's a reminder of how we need to have our security awareness shields up against a lot of different modalities of social engineering. So why is Google Voice useful to scam artists? Well, there are kind of two main ingredients in this, in this particular stew. One of them is impersonation and the other is abuse of trust. So it's very easy for scammers to impersonate someone uh, via their phone number. And it's also easy for them to use phone capabilities to establish trust, uh, fraudulently so in this case. Mm, indeed. I once had to do this, the same effort quite manually, um, back in the day when you had to add someone's number and it did not assume through other technologies your phone was listening to who that person was. You could just you could just change the name, um, and I had a lot of fun with that for those who trusted me with their phone for a brief amount of time back in the day. Oh my God! <laughs> uh, you know, woe betide anybody who trusted you with. Phone. <laughs> <laughs> I taught a lot of people about security before I knew I was teaching people about security. That's right, security <laughs> awareness training. With That's this. right, for free in the cafeteria for the uninitiated, unaware, and. Uh, <laughs> Unwilling, probably. I'm still waiting for a lot of thank you notes, honestly. I don't know why they haven't come yet. Um, <laughs> well, Tim, according to the FBI, if your number is posted on the information superhighway, you may be targeted via Google Voice. So what did the FBI disclose about these scams in this day and age? Right. So, okay, what they're using doing here is using your phone number. Well, they're they're doing a couple things at the same time, but they're one of them is they're using your phone number as a phony authentication method to raise your trust level in them. And so this is another part of this scam that I wanted to highlight, which is the psychology of social engineering is becoming more subtle and I would say more effective. So what the scammers will often do when they're using Google Voice for these scams is they will tell the victim that they, the scammer, are trying to protect themselves against being scammed. It's like, I'm just like you. They're saying, you, you can trust me because we share this interest in protecting ourselves against those evil scammers. It's brilliant. So what they do is tell you that they're going to send you an authentication code via SMS or voice, and that's how they're abusing Google Voice. And this gets to that part of your question about having your phone number out there on the old information superhighway. That's how they know how to reach you to send the authentication code. So once they have that code, what they're actually going to do is hijack your phone number to use it in other scams uh, against other victims. So when they're scamming you, 
they have the Google Voice control panel open because it's actually Google who sent that verification code. And then you very helpfully read the code to them and they have the last piece that they needed in order to imitate you with Google. They plug that into the Google control panel that was asking for the verification code and Bob's your uncle. Tim, I have to say, I'm pretty impressed by your use of phony. Was that intentionally a pun or was that pun intentional? Mm. Mm. That's pretty freaky, isn't it? <laughs> You've really dialed that in. <laughs> ah! That's true. <laughs> so what is the consequence or consequences of a person's Google Voice account being hijacked? Yeah, so there are a couple of things that the scammers can do with that. So one of them is they can now impersonate you to carry out various kinds of schemes. Um, and you would... Uh, probably guess that a lot of this will be the usual account hijacking or billing fraud, those kinds of activities. They can use this to gain access to your Gmail account because, of course, sending a, um, a reset code or such to your uh, SMS is one of the ways that that can often be accomplished. And if they have your Gmail account, naturally, that can lead to a lot of other shenanigans. Um, and then, like I mentioned, they could also pose as you in order to scam other victims down the line. So it really just it adds another tool in their toolkit for identity theft and impersonation and various other kinds of fraud. Fraud with a PH, of course. Um, of course. Of course. So the final question I have for you, Tim, is what can folks do if they were the target of such a scam? Yeah, there's a number of things. Um, of course, the FBI would appreciate it if you dropped them a line. Ironically, of course, now from your potentially compromised phone number, you can call your local FBI office, or you can uh, go on the web uh, to ic3.gov uh, to report it. But, and that's what they say in their guidance. But of course, I think they're also leaving out some of the other things that you should do, which is some of the basic blocking and tackling that we expect folks to do if they uh, either know or suspect that they've been scammed, you should probably think about changing some passwords. It's a good time if you haven't already done this to set up multi-factor authentication on your critical accounts. By the way, not using SMS, since we now know that somebody else potentially has uh, uh, access to that, but instead um, using something like an authenticator app or one of those hardware fobs or something, uh, you know, keeping an eye on your critical accounts to catch anything suspicious as early as possible, all of those kinds of things. Well said, Tim. And I know that we're talking to people who are more generally worried about their organizations as well as I'm sure they're, they're themselves and their family members. So they're not um, in a similar situation. Of course, what makes up an organization? Well, people, of course. Um, and so I think that's always helpful to keep in mind that these are the types of things that em employees at your organization that you're attempting to protect are targeted with such scams and what kind of impact that could have on your organization. And with that, I'd be curious to hear a little bit about what the relative priority or urgency around uh, maybe potentially in this situation, educating folks about this. Um, and we, we look at this through our hoodie rating, which is a scale of zero to 10. We're playing off the cliche of a hacker in a hoodie the, the good kind, the defender who's working against such an offense. So with all of that said, Taylor, after you've heard Tim's beautiful summary here, what would you rate this at? 
I mean, it's really interesting that the FBI is looking into this type of thing, uh, given its, its prevalence and, and kind of how long it's been around. Um, you know, I guess they're interested in playing a game of telephone with uh, <laughs> some of the victims potentially. Ah! Uh, me, I, you know, I'm going to give it just two hoodies. I, you know, I get, I think, again, it's kind of background noise. It's, it's something that we're dealing with. It's interesting from a technique approach, uh, you know, certainly interesting, but not, nothing, uh, kind of mind blowing on my, on my end here. Taylor is not impressed. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Tim? Yeah, I was going to say something similar to that. I'll, I'll agree. I'll go with two hoodies. Um, and I think the point here is not, like I mentioned earlier, I'll just sort of reiterate, the technical aspect of this is almost nothing. This is sort of a non-technical um, type of attack. What is worth keeping in mind is the evolving psychology. Um, we've The other thing that we've talked about with social engineering psychology is how um, you see more and more of the kinds of scams that are um, trying to appeal to your opt out your scam awareness. Um, and so that's where you see these scams that are, you know, get in touch with us um, to cancel your subscription that's about to start. Your free trial is going to end and your subscription is going to start. And if you want to opt out of that, get in touch with us. So the, um, it's, this, it's the psychology. So this, this is meant really to um, make sure that you are really thinking about some of the new ways that scammers are trying to hack you as an individual. But from a technical point of view, it's a, it's a nothing burger, this one. But yeah, two hoodies. Yeah, user awareness is always a good thing to be uh, keeping in mind. Indubitably. Well, excellent. Tim, thanks for sharing your findings there. Something I forgot to speak to is in that rating system, 10 is very bad and zero is neutral. So I apologize for forgetting that context, but that was probably clear in the context clues there of the twos provided by Tim and Taylor. Well, on to our next article, which is flip the script on credential stuffing. So numerous companies have been informed of cyber attacks that compromised user information by the New York Attorney General Lelita James following an investigation into credential stuffing. So, you know, hey, Taylor, um, what, what is a cyber criminal's favorite Thanksgiving staple? I mean, it's definitely credential stuffing, right? <laughs> oh, golly, you stole my joke. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, <laughs> yeah, it sounds delicious. It's not. It's not a good thing to be credential stuffed, um, if you will. But, but <laughs> what is what is credential stuffing in in the security space, Taylor? Yeah, great question. You know, it, it's been around for a while. Uh, you know, some folks think you've got to get the credential stuffing inside of uh, the turkey and then cook it there. Some folks think you've got to. Oh wait, no, no, it's different. Uh, <laughs> no, and in, in information security here, credential stuffing is kind of taking known username, password combinations, and then throwing that up against as many different services as possible to try and gain access to accounts that have reused those passwords. Uh, so, you know, when we say it's been around, it's, it's been around for a long, long time. Man, that whole reduce, reuse, recycle campaign mm -hmm. really backfired in the InfoSec space, didn't it? <laughs> Certainly when it comes to passwords. <laughs> Don't care about your environment when it comes to your passwords, people. But I mean, everything you can else reduce care. the number of accounts you have access to. <laughs> That's... <laughs> 
especially if you have anything to say about it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, as you mentioned, Taylor, it's credential stuffing isn't something that's new. It's been around since at least at least the day of the pilgrim. Um, but similar to fishing, it seems painfully effective and for good reason, right? It's, it's taking the imperfection of humanity and throwing it in our face. Uh, but what prompted <laughs> the New York attorney general to launch an investigation here? Yeah. Um, I, I'm kind of interested in that myself from, from the, the way they tell it, they'll, they'll say that it's, uh, like a, it's just kind of the pure volume, recognition of the volume of attacks that are faced by users and businesses. So, uh, and I'll quote them, according to a recent study, there are more than 15 billion stolen credentials circulating on the internet. Uh, this enormous cache of credentials has fueled a dramatic rise in credential stuffing attacks. Uh, the operator of one large content delivery network reported it witnessed more than 193 billion, with a B, such attacks in 2020. Um, so, you know, I think they, they also quoted the, the Poneman Institute's cost of credential stuffing reports so that businesses lose an average of $6 million per year to credential stuffing, uh, you know, application downtime, lost customers, increased IT costs. So that, that's to hear them tell it. They just say the pure volume got them interested in, in this uh, as, a, as a tactic. They needed to address the credential stuffing. That's <laughs> what I'm hearing. Exactly. Yes, it needed to be dressed. Taylor, I, I need you to hold me accountable to this. Next Thanksgiving, we're going to have mm-hmm. to take a picture mm-hmm. of a turkey and we're going to stuff it with passwords and usernames. Um, and we're going to take a picture of it and we're going to share it with these fine listeners. And it's it's going to be credential stuffing. All right. I'm going to add it to my calendar right now. Okay. All right. Excellent. Excellent. Um, (laughs) Well, Taylor, what specifically were the results of this investigation that we were just discussing here? Yeah, you know, this is one of the, like, the things that I found interesting about this report, there's nothing particularly mind-blowing about what's going on here, right? I mean, as we mentioned, credential stuffing's been around a long time. What... You know, what kind of got what piqued my interest about this is the level of visibility that, uh, you know, the New York State Attorney's Office ought to be able to have onto this type of thing. Right. So they're not just a single organ, a single company organization. Right. They represent both business interests, consumer interests. Um, you know, so they've got a pretty wide remit to, to go and pull data and kind of get at some of this. So over a period of several months, the, the Office of Attorney General monitored several online communities dedicated to credential stuffing. So I guess they spent some time on the dark web. <laughs> and the OAG found thousands of posts containing login credentials that have been tested in credential stuffing attacks on a website or app and confirmed provide access to a customer account, right? So uh, you know, members of the communities were free to use these validated credentials to break into customer accounts themselves or use them for their own credential stuffing attacks on other companies' websites and apps. Uh, It's just, it's tough to see what they did here beyond kind of uh, lurking on some forms for a little bit. I mean, I think that, you know, you could have pulled data from the Have I Been Pwned folks. Troy Hunt and his database has probably got a lot of this stuff in it as well. Uh, But yeah, you know, kind of the, the big results they came up with were, were some some advisory stuff there. But I, you know, I'm reading through this report. I see, oh, the New York Attorney General's office is doing this report on credential stuffing. Surely we're going to see attribution and charges and nope, nothing. Just, uh, hey, there's a lot of this and we spent some time looking at it. So I, don't, uh, I guess I'm you know, a, a little uh, disappointed. Mm. 
you got the yes, power of subpoena. You got, you know, again, like a, a single company themselves, they, they, they couldn't uh, hope to get to the bottom of this stuff the way that um, a government organization might be able to leverage their power and deal. And here we just kind of ended up with a 15 page report. And look, there's some some guidelines and some interesting numbers and figures out of it. But yeah. Ah, yes. The power of the subpoena. Yeah, I'll be, maybe there'll be a follow-up. We'll have to keep an eye out, but hopefully, hopefully there will be. Um, and what did, what did the OAG, which for those of you who aren't aware, that's the office of the attorney general, what did they recommend to mitigate credential stuffing attacks? Cause that's one thing I know that they did include in this report is some, some suggestions, if you will. Yeah. And, and so I will say that, like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of downplaying this. You know, they did reach out to the, the businesses that were impacted to try to work with them through mitigation strategies. Uh, you know, I, they say that they got 12 of the 17 to start to take this a little more seriously. I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe that's the case. But anyone at any scale that's been dealing with this has probably been trying to deal with this um, proactively for a while now. But they found four main areas where businesses can focus their improvement efforts. Uh, number one was in the, on the defending side, so defending against credential stuffing attacks. So they're talking about things like bot detection, captures, stuff like that. Uh, number two is detecting credential stuffing. Uh, so there they're saying, you know, a web application firewall or, you know, fraud monitoring, you know, probably some of the stuff that, that they were doing, like deep, dark and deep web monitoring, reputation monitoring, looking for that type of thing. Number three is preventing fraud and misuse of customer information uh you know the big one they said here was forcing a reauthorization of the title purchase which i can't think of anybody who's really going to want to do that uh you know generally the the purchase flow stuff is designed to be as frictionless as possible in separating you and your money so you know <laughs> and any business is going to be low to do that too much but you know maybe we'll see a little more of that and that could be helpful uh and then also in the on the response phase which is pretty standard investigation remediation and customer notification guidelines again nothing uh mind-blowing here some good basic stuff uh but you know my guess is that the majority of the businesses they were working with probably were already doing a lot of this stuff already um yeah interesting well with all of this in mind to wrap up this conversation let's discuss those hoodie ratings and tim hmm. i'll start with you you know kind of similar to the the other one i think the hoodie rating as such is fairly low on this. I'm going to call it a three. Um, and which is not to downplay the fact that a successful attack using compromised credentials um, could certainly ruin your whole day. It absolutely could. But typically, w the way that we calibrate our hoodie ratings is on kind of the technical complexity and difficulty to defend against and so forth. And uh, with this one, it doesn't really get all that high. So yeah, I'll go with, with three hoodies on this one. Three hoodies. Where do you sit on that, Taylor? Uh, yeah, I'm also very low. Again, you know, this piqued my interest whenever uh, a state attorney's office, particularly one in as populous a state as New York, uh, kind of wants to dig into this. I, I would have loved to have seen kind of more specificity, maybe driving towards attribution on some of this stuff. But, you know, obviously, I think that stuff's really, really tricky for, for anybody. So hopefully that stuff's forthcoming. We'll see. Uh, for me, you know, one, let's go two hoodies, right? It's it's a known issue. Uh, you know, I'd say that, uh, 
know, if you aren't kind of washing passwords and user stuff up against kind of uh, at least like the the known stuff that's out there right now, you're not doing your users a whole lot of favors. <laughs> yes, indeed. Man, uh, two hoodie kind of week. This is, uh, we're just trying to ease back in, I suppose, from the holiday. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing's on fire. Everything's fine. Exactly. We don't want to get super depressed, like, right out of the gate. <laughs> we'll, give, we'll give it two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, golly. Well, it's time for our game. Um, usually we use this as comedic relief after two blistering articles, but this week we're keeping it, keeping it cash. Um, and this game is two truths and a lie. And how it works is not dissimilar from the game you all know and love and grew up playing to meet people. What a, what a fascinating way to break the ice. Just, just deceive people. One out of three things is, is a deception, and that's the, the basis on which we create a relationship. <laughs> but we, we do it here for fun, because it, it's more security training, I guess. Um, but one host every week provides three article titles. One of those titles and articles is real. It is, is excuse me, two of them are real, and then one is a lie. And there's a point system, and there are winners, and there are losers, and there are liars. <laughs> <laughs> And I think Taylor was actually up this this week. Sure I am. You know, one of these times I'm going to give you all three lies. <laughs> that was one of the lies right there. That was it. No. <laughs> uh, let's see. Two truths and a lie. Yeah, I'll run through the headlines here uh, of three completely factual articles, one of which I'm certainly not making up. So first uh, one is the ABC bot botnet linked to operators of the Exanth crypto mining malware. Number two, log4j exploit used against a smart toaster to start a fire. And number three, CDN cache poisoning allows denial of service attacks against cloud apps. Hmm. I kind of want it to be the, uh, I kind of want the toaster one to be true. The toaster one also has that feeling of being so kind of exciting that it has to be the lie. But I, uh, I'm, I'm still thinking about that. In terms of kitchen appliances, I feel like toasters come up the most frequently on this podcast. <laughs> I don't know what it is there. I mean, Taylor, I'm trying to remember if you're a Billy Joel fan or not, because I feel like how could you that not factors be? into it. I don't, is he lying? I don't know. Is it? Did you start the fire? You mean you're hearing I will tell you that, of toasters singing We Didn't Start the Fire? <laughs> I go to sleep every night on a river of dreams. <laughs> oh, in the middle of the... Um, <laughs> yeah, my dad and I used to always listen to that song back in the day. It's a great song, underrated for Billy. Oh, great, yeah. Say. Definitely needs to take a sleepwalking pill or something, because that doesn't sound mm. safe. Mm. <laughs> Before there was melatonin. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go with the toaster because I just want that to be inaccurate. Um, but I, I have some doubts. I'm not confident about that being the lie. I'll just say. I feel as though. Yeah, I don't know. This is tough. This is tough because like this would be a great way to get us. Because if that story is true, it sounds too sensational. But 
but I just, I don't know. I got to go with my gut and, and I agree with Kelsey here. I think the, I think the toaster hasn't been set on fire due to log four J, even though there's also some wicked part of me that kind of is looking for that one to be true because I, I hate smart appliances. I think they're terrible, uh, but anyway, yeah, that's where, I, that's what I'm going with. If log four J really did this, then we're all toast. Ah, you know, your hatred of, of smart appliances will have to wait one week. That is, that is our lie. No one's got a toast <laughs> to catch on fire with a Log4j exploit. Um, although I'm sure it's only a matter of time. If you had enough toaster fires, it would probably lead to a dumpster fire. <laughs> and I, I, I got to say, I think that the, like, the obsession between computers and toasters didn't start with us. It started with the flying toasters, screensavers, for sure. Yeah, I was thinking of those, too. <laughs> I had that screensaver. I I always like I can't stop myself, but I always want to talk about the adventure of the toaster movie because it's so cute that somebody chose to animate a toaster. You mean the brave little toaster? The brave little toaster. Yeah. Well, my kids were for a while, they went through a phase where they were really amused by all the different simulator apps and bread simulator was one of them. And I'm pretty sure you could toast yourself. Wait, do you simulator. simulate baking bread or just being bread? I think you simulate being bread. Huh. Uh, I mean, there, there's, so goat simulator, you know, by, by comparison sounds absolutely uh, logical and uh, appealing. There was bread simulator. There was, I think there's a church simulator. There's a variety of real, I think this is kind of like the app version of the state fair uh, trope of deep frying ever more ridiculous things. I think <laughs> so there's a subset, there's like a subculture in app world of what's the most ridiculous thing we can simulate in a simulator and uh, let's be that one. Have we ever simulated simulators? Simulating simulators that are simulating? Mm. Wow, that's very meta, but of course now <laughs> everybody's using that term for something else. <laughs> Um, what I would do in high school and middle school is I'd change my name to God in people's phones and text them on Sunday. And I didn't feel that was appropriate to share on the podcast, but I know I shouldn't break up religion. Ah, okay. That's, uh, that's pretty good though. Actually, I, I really feel like I'd like to leave that in. <laughs> <laughs> A modern Catholic guilt, I suppose. Um, well, excellent. What a way to start the year. Indeed. And... Although we will be, of course, celebrating Martin Luther King Day next week, which we typically record this podcast on Mondays, we'll be recording it on a Friday so we can still make it into your, your podcast cues for the four-day weekend as we celebrate, celebrate a pretty great man. So just know that we'll be back next week with episode 108 of Breaking Badness with the the lovely Tim Helming and Taylor Wilkes Pierce. So we're looking forward to it. Hope you have a great week and you're able to ease back in after the holiday. Beware of any smart toasters and um, stay away from credential stuffing. Yeah, if you get if you get authentication code requests from your toaster, <laughs> you should ignore those. <laughs> Happy New Year, folks. Thanks, everybody. Cheers. That's about all we have for this week. You can find us on Twitter at DomainPools. 
All of the articles and IOCs mentioned today will be included in our blog post, which can be found at domaintools.com slash resources slash podcasts. Catch us every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific time when we publish our podcast and blog. We'll see you next week on another episode of Breaking Badness. Until then, remember, don't drink and click.